I'm, I'm writing. You know how to write? Without the, without the, without the writing, you have nothing. I'm writing. All right, everybody, welcome back to another fresh episode of Home Row, what I like to think is an instant classic. Um, already predicted my self-fulfilling prophecy because of my guest, an original OG. I think this is the third time for Mr. Jared C. Wilson to appear on Home Row. Jared, did you get your certificate in the mail? How, how many times did you say? I think this is your third time on the show. Okay, so is it like one of those things... Back in the day when you hosted Saturday Night Live, you know, like five times you got a thing. That's Am I going to get something? A certificate? Is that what I'm getting? I should, yeah, I should send you something. Maybe send like a something. coffee mug. I yeah. have these coffee mugs here. Oh, it's flipped. Oh, just it says just writing, it says. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe I'll send you one. Mm. Okay. Or I'll send you a link to order one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we can do that. I don't, I don't have a stock. Straight you know, I don't have to a the stock junk room. mail. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's one of those print on demand deals. I don't have oh, stock okay. back here. Yeah, people ask me for them. I'm like, I don't have any. Yeah. This is just a, this is a prototype. You got, you got, even, your, you got your kid in the back slapping stickers on white mugs my, to buy down at the Dollar Tree. That's right. My seven-year-old, he's, <laughs> his little hands. Yeah. Got to work on your finger grips. That's work on right. your dexterity, the son. Hand-eye coordination. Well, Jared, people might know that you're a writer. Um, how many of know. your books could you list off the top of your head right now? I could maybe list all of them if I think about it. I mean, you have Hard written enough. a bunch of books. Yeah. Your D- Jesus is Too Safe, Seven Daily okay. Sins, Abide, Gospel Wakefulness, Gospel Deeps, The Pastor's Justification, The Story of Everything, The Wonderworking God, The Prodigal Church, The Storytelling God, Gospel Driven Ministry, Gospel Driven Church, Echo Island, Imperfect Disciple, Unparalleled, Knowing the Bible, Romans, oh, Gospel-Shaped Worship. Oh, here we go. Yeah, we're branching out to the Bible studies and our video curriculum now. I know I missed something, but I that's you missed one. Pretty close, I, yeah. There's one that I'm thinking of you didn't get to. <clears throat> well, gosh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Supernatural Power for Everyday People. Okay. And, I was thinking about that one. That one's good. And, and there's another one that I've missed. I think what, so. what did I miss, Jeff? I think you forgot. Listeners can correct us on social media. I think you forgot the pastor's justification. No, I said it. You did? Yeah, I said it right after. Uh, oh, um, man, I, I tuned gospel out. I, was, gospel I dozed yeah. off. I was thinking about my next interview. <laughs> when, I believe it. <laughs> and so my other question is, have you written a book this week? Since, or since you started? No, you since, know what's really interesting, this? man, is I got a lot to write this year, and I'm not writing anything right now. I, I have this dissertation that I have to do. That uh, that'll be the kind of the first thing on the on the docket, and then I've got a couple other things. But I'm in this really, um, yeah, interesting couple months where I'm not actively working on a project. Yeah. Okay. For the listeners out there who don't who aren't super sure what you're doing, so you're at you're at Midwestern. You are on staff and faculty there, right? Yes, Midwestern Seminary. Yeah, I yeah. teach pastoral ministry, and I teach I uh, teach writing um, as well. And course. now you're finishing up your demon on. Yeah, uh, I'm doing it on the res. I direct a residency program called the Pastoral Training Center at my church, Liberty Baptist Church, and my demon project is going to be basically kind of examining a the curriculum of the residency as it pertains to spiritual formation mm. uh, of, among those who are uh, training for ministry. 
Yeah. Okay. I love that. What, um, we were talking a little bit before the, before the show started about the differences between writing, you know, your garden variety, just typical Christian, you know, nonfiction book versus academic writing that, that you're involved with now. What are some of those sort of differences you've, you've discerned? Well, obviously it's a lot more formal. You can't be as creative. There's, you know, a set of, of moves that you have to make in terms of arguing, you know, making an argument, making a case. And in a lot of ways, I organize, you know, my nonfiction writing in a similar way. So you have a theme and then I want to come up with what are some ideas that support or illuminate that theme. And then you elaborate on those things. And academic writing is a very, you know, very similar thing, You except that you're, you're, you're making a case or you're arguing something. So you have a thesis and then you have your supporting statements for your thesis and that creates kind of the outline. But I, you know, I find it difficult just because it's somewhat dispassionate, you know, um, you have to kind of write in a, uh, you know, you're arguing for something, but you have to be sort of at it. You have to kind of hold it at arm's length a little bit. And, yeah. um, you know, the language you use, you can't use, you know, first person very much and different things like that. So it, it feels a little constraining to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I, I do enjoy about it is you can be really wordy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because like, yeah. yeah, I mean, there, you know, academic writing for whatever reason just entertains, you know, using, you know, 20, you know, dollar yes. words when a five, you know, dollar word would work and throwing more words at a thing when you could say something in a, you know, in a much more concise way. So you don't have to edit in in that regard as well you just have to like make sure your formatting is perfect that's the other thing that you know kind of drives me nuts is yes. you know how do you format the footnotes and all those sorts of things that just Man. i mean it's such a weird formality but it is whatever the orthodoxy of footnotes i'm more yeah. worried about sometimes in some of these papers i'm doing yeah than the orthodoxy of my doctrine for sure. Like, I know, I know that's okay. That's going to be fine. <laughs> I'm not going to get points off for some like heresy that, that I'm not, it's not slipping yeah. in, but well, yeah, I might, on, I might in, put a in some respects, in place. Yeah. In some respects you think you don't even have to read the thing. You're just looking at it to see, uh, you know, my margins and the, you know, my indentations. And so those things are real noticeable. So yeah. they're easier to grade, I guess. And, you know. Man, Zotero has changed my life. Do you use Zotero? I don't use anything but Microsoft oh. Word and my fingers <laughs> oh, for anything. I don't, I don't use Logos. <laughs> I don't use... I know all these things. Oh, okay, so tell me what Zotero is. What okay, does it do? so, th- so th- today's podcast is sponsored by Zotero. <laughs> and Zotero, Now, it should be, but Zotero is actually a free program. So it's the easiest thing to use in the world. You tell it what format you got to use, if it's MLA or Turabian or those might even be the same. I don't have a clue. Yeah. But But, what if the format is Midwestern seminary style guide? That's the format. It's probably Turabian. Okay. I would guess for the footnotes for the papers, like you probably got a template you can use like, like Southern's got a template we use for papers, but the formats and all that, all the footnote formatting is Turabian. So I tell Zotero that. And then so like this one paper I just wrote, it's got 80 footnotes in it, whatever. I put all of the, I can tag has a little, you know, bookmark in my browser, my Chrome browser. If I'm reading that journal, I just click that little bookmark. It puts the author of that journal in a database. It puts the correct footnote all in the database. And then there's a plugin. This is super nerdy. There's a plugin, uh, for Microsoft word. And so as I'm typing and I quote that paper, I click that plugin in Microsoft word. I just type in, if I was quoting you a paper or a book you wrote, 
I just type in your name. It says, do you want to quote imperfect disciple? Yes. Boom. And then it makes the perfect footnote for imperfect disciple. <laughs> I just put the page number and then which that's great. But then at the end of your paper, you put make bibliography all done. Hmm. So if only you knew about this until the end. Well, you're about to start your dissertation. This might be helpful. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like what you just described, it takes a lot more thought than just typing the thing out <sighs> off the back of the book or the copyright page or whatever. I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, okay, for the dissertation, but I haven't noticed in all the other papers I've written that it's just, a, you know, an overwhelming burden Imagine how many more books you could have written. <laughs> Maybe. If you weren't well, fuddling I'm around with your footnotes. Fewer sources and quotes in, in <laughs> well, my books God. anyway. So Yeah, he's just quoting himself in these. My books. last couple so books, funny. I'm like, forget these jokers. I got stuff to say. Oh, see, so yeah, I think I, I think <laughs> you don't gotta in, you don't gotta quote others when you're so quotable yourself. That, you know? There you go. Well, I, th I think even in humble Calvinism, I don't even think I formatted all the stuff right. I just yeah. said like this oh, book, let the page 14, that. They, yeah, yeah. They, they took care of it. That's what they're getting paid for. Um, that not me. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what, what have you learned or like, I guess picked up for yourself about, have you learned anything like as, has it helped you in your own writing? <laughs> oh, not for, to, for, for writing. my studies. I think just <laughs> yes. mean like generally. Yeah. What, what have you learned? No, no, no. Yeah. In your writing skills and chops, is there anything like, obviously you're a great writer and you've, you've got many books and books that have sold so, so well, incredibly well. And you've blessed lots and lots of people. I was going to say millions that might be overshooting. It. Um, <laughs> you've blessed Baker's dozens of people uh -huh. with, with your writing. Um, but there's always room for growth. And so like, is there anything you've learned through the, through the program? You're like, okay, that was fun. Or, or no, you're like, nah, man, I'm Michael Jordan. I don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've learned what I, I guess I've relearned what I already knew about myself, which is that I, I much prefer, you know, sort of charting my own path and, and exploring the things that I'm, you know, you know, passionate about and called to, um, you know, I learned some, you know, some things theologically and things through, you know, certain courses and, you know, things that I hadn't really thought about, but just in terms about writing, um, I think I just learned that I don't really enjoy you know, the overly formal sort of style. It's not anything that, I, you know, I'm not going to be writing, you know, um, you know, big academic books ever. I never you know, haven't, you know, had an aspiration to do that, but this is just confirmation of, no, I like to kind of write in a very exultational way and, and in a more creative way. So right. I'm, you know, yeah, I'm grateful for the education and then certainly, you know, trying to be submissive to the rigors of it. But it's, uh, for me, it's a means to an end, um, you know, to be credentialed, to be able to, you know, help train pastors. So yeah, that's what I'm yeah, doing. That's great. Okay. I know that one of the questions that, well, there's a joke. It seems like it's a perennial joke on social media with you. And I think for good reason, it's always, and I made it already in this podcast. Like, have you written a book this week oh, since, right, right. since the podcast? <laughs> are you writing a book right now during this podcast? Yeah. Uh, just there's one hand to the side that we can't see. And you're just, maybe if I get you know, that Zotero thing, it just does everything for you. How many more books could you have written, Jared? This, this is the, <laughs> a crime against humanity right. that you haven't been using Zotero. So that joke always gets made about Jared sneezes and, and another bestseller comes out or another book, you know, you're a great writer, but you're also very well disciplined. And so let's get to it. So uh, an idea, like what are you doing schedule wise 
what are you sacrificing? What, like, what are you doing that maybe other people just aren't realizing or aren't doing that for they could become a more disciplined, habitual, you know, actually sit down and get the work done? Yeah. You know, I really hate this question because I don't, I don't think I have an answer that's very applicable because I don't think I'm a very disciplined writer. I, I, like, I tend to think, man, if I had a, like a set time, so, you know, I know guys who, and maybe you're one of them, I don't know, but they say, I I have to like carve out, you know, two hours, three hours every day just to write, or I, you know, I dedicate an hour a day to this project or just to stay disciplined. I have to write in the mornings or whatever it is. And I'm not doing that, but you know, um, I, I've always been writing. So there's never for me a feeling of like, if I, if I'm not producing, you know, over the course of two, three weeks, a month, I'm, I'm going to lose it. Cause I've just been doing it since I was a little kid. I, I think I process through writing, you know, my own thinking. Okay. Um, it, it's just the primary way I've learned to express myself. Um, even the way I even look at social media, um, you know, particularly on, on, on Twitter, um, you know, I think about the turn of the phrase and, and just different things like that. And that's not anything like I'm telling myself, you have to do this. It's just, that's what I do and how I've, I, you know, I mean, it's not unconscious or anything like that or, you know, subconscious, but it's just somewhat natural, I guess. So practically when it comes to like, how do you produce so much, you know, you have a deadline and, I know a book is due (laughs) and, um, I usually begin, you know, I have the planning for it, you know, well in advance and I may have an outline and little snatches of things that I've jotted down and either the research phase or just kind of, you know, piecing things together. But I'm typically writing a book in the two months, you know, before it's due, maybe the six weeks before it's due. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Yeah. You're writing the whole book in the two months before it's due? Yeah, pretty much. You know, that's crazy. It's, but it's not me sitting down going, what do I think about this? I've got kind of, you know, developed yeah, material out. Researching outline. outlines and all, all, yeah, that, yeah, all yeah, that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. So, but just in terms of like cranking it out, um, yeah, that's typically how, how I work. So, yeah, you end up sacrificing some sleep and you sacrifice some, um, you know, some family time and, and you know, and I, I wish that I worked a different way. I've never worked any other way than that. Even in school, I was the guy writing his paper, the you know, the night before it was due and, and it never came back to bite me. It, it, you know, it, it, maybe if it had burned me, I would have learned (laughs) to be, (laughs) you know, to be, you know, a better scheduler of some kind. But, but even with like blog posts and things, you know, you know, I have a Monday blog post, um, every week at, 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 for the church. And I try to write once every couple of weeks at, at my gospel coalition blog, and those are just things like, as I have an idea, I'm not telling myself, oh, you've got to, you know, write on this day or this, right. I'm, I'm usually waiting. And sometimes the idea for the Monday thing doesn't come till Sunday night. And I realize, ah, I gotta, I gotta have something. Um, and I have like a little journal, um, well, not a journal, but just like a, a, a list on my computer of blog post ideas as things come okay. and I'll just like, you know, throw the idea out there. So it's not usually like a dry well that I'm trying to pull from, but in terms of like producing it, writing it that changes every week and as inspiration strikes. So, um, you know, if, if people think I'm prolific now, if I was, 
like super disciplined and, you know, who knows how much stuff I would be producing, you know, um, I'd be writing books that would just be, get, you know, shoved on, on, on shelves or in drawers probably. Right. Have you read Deep Work by, I have by not, Cal Newport? That, that's Cal Newport. Yeah. No, I have not. Yeah. Okay. Don't read it. Okay. Um, why would I mean, he well, he say just, like, don't do email and things like that? That's another book that oh, I think different. is about, well, you just have to read it, but I don't think you need to read it clearly because it's all about like producing and, and getting content out there and having uninterrupted stages of work where you're really like getting it done, but you're clearly yeah. getting it done. So this is not, you might, I can tell you, you it, might like yeah. it. It, it serves a practical function because I know some people think, man, to write a book in six weeks or two months or something, that feels like it's going to be rushed and sloppy and et cetera, et cetera. And uh, okay, you know, perhaps. But for me, I think if I was trying to stretch something out over months and months and months, sure, I would actually lose the momentum of the big idea. I think the book would feel more scattershot because I wouldn't have, um, you know, the driving kind of central idea um, as as prevalent in my mind in a shorter you know uh, a span of time if i'm just yeah. sort of trying to eke out a couple of pages a day over the course of months and months and months i think maybe i would even you know, kind of lose from page one to page you know 200 oh what was i talking about back then it, it just mm. seems to me too much time to lose a sense of passion about the work and in some respect even kind of recurring themes and things that you might you know draw from and forget about um, you know, this novel that came out last year, I, I started writing it 15 years ago and picking that back up. I had to reread the first, you know, the first part that I had written before numerous times just to remind myself of like, oh, that's who that is. And that's where they went. And that's where the house is located. And but if I was just writing it all at once, I wouldn't have to keep doing that kind of retrieval sure. work. So it it works for me. I'm not saying it works for everybody to do it that way, but um, it has worked for me. Yeah, yeah, it clearly works for you. I don't think anybody <laughs> could say, you know, Jared, if you would do this, you'd probably write more. Yeah, maybe. Um, so. You know, I think, yeah, you're you're doing great. Uh, you're you're doing okay. Okay, okay so so Echo Island came out. Uh, your your fiction your fiction book. Uh, so why why fiction? I'm sure some people are wondering that about you. I, I know why you wrote it, yeah. but you've done you know you've written so much in in the Christian nonfiction world, uh, a lot of pastoral resources and, and ministry books and books for discipleship. And then now this kind of zig, some people may think, or a zag, depending on you know, which camp you're in, of uh, <laughs> the zigs, the zig people or the whatevers. So why Echo Island? Yeah, well, so when I first started writing for publication or trying to be published, I I, I began as a novelist. So Really, the twenty-some nonfiction books are kind of the detour from what my zag. original plan. Those yeah, are the that's zag. the zag. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, the um, in fact, the first half of Echo Island was written. Um, that was the third, you know, book or at least half-written book that I ever wrote. You know, the first book I ever wrote was a novel, didn't get published. The second book I wrote was a novel, didn't get published. Then I started writing Echo Island, and then we planted a church, and in the you know, I just didn't have time to pick that up. All of my writing and kind of thinking energy was poured into the, you know, the church plant. And when, um, you know, my agent came knocking, looking for something, to, you know, to sell to, you know, to present to publishers. Um, and, and he was a fiction guy as well, mainly. I mean, he has, you know, other, um, you know, he has nonfiction authors, but at that time he, he signed me as a fiction guy. 
He had mostly fiction, um, you know, clients. And I just said, look, I don't have time to finish this story, but, you know, I could put some of these sermons together maybe and, and adapt them into book chapters. And, and he was kind of um, not discouraging, but just sort of like trying to be a voice of reason and reality, you know, yeah. um, you know, to publish a nonfiction Christian, you know, book. You need to have a platform, which I didn't have. You need to be somebody, you know, which I wasn't. And um, and I just said, well, this is all I got. And that and and thus began my nonfiction career because we got you know a little publishing deal with Kriegel on that book. And and the rest was okay. Now I'm a nonfiction guy all of a sudden. So Echo Island was really kind of for me a return to my first love, being able to kind of go back, not just to storytelling, but to that story because that story had really, you know you know, sunk its teeth into me for a long time. Yeah. And my wife wanted me to finish it. I had friends who had read the first half who said, you have to finish this. Oh, and, cool. and, and I just knew, and I think it's better for it. in in one sense, because I was writing and rewriting it in my head for 15 years, the end of it and not a whole lot changed, but some significant things changed. And I was able to kind of flesh out details that I couldn't quite grasp back then either. So it's it's had a lot of time to cook, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So what what is the obviously we don't, you don't want to give give anything away here, but what is Echo Island? What what's it about? Yeah. So the you know, the beginning premise is there are these four boys, Jason, Tim, Bradley, and Archer, who to celebrate their high school graduation um, go on a camping trip, and they live on an island. Echo Island is the name off the coast of Washington State. And they sort of take the ferry over to the mainland to, you know, to go camping in the state park. And when their camping trip is done, they ride the ferry back to their island and everyone has disappeared. There's no one there. And nothing electronic works also. And there's just something off about the place. So it begins with the mystery of where did you know everybody go, what happened. And each boy responds in a different way. They're basically different types, kind of, these four friends. And the the mystery deepens from there, you know, even as they begin to solve one part of the mystery, another part sort of dawns on them. So there's a couple of twists in the story, and it really borrows um, heavily from uh, a lot of classic mythology, uh, as well as um, hugely influenced by the writing of C.S. Lewis and mm, never heard um, of him. some others as well. That's right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that little guy, that little C.S. Lewis. Okay. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Clive Staples Lewis. Clive what a Staples, name. yeah. Or Jack, if you're a friend. That's right. That's right. You know, I had someone ask me um, with my books, did, well, did you finish saying? I, I distracted you with No, that, that's Jack. it. I didn't want to say it. much more. Just there's yeah. a couple of twists. Okay. You get drawn in, you know. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. So go check it out. There'll be uh, a link to, to go purchase that, and you can find all of Jared's books, of course, on Amazon and uh, wherever books are sold. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So you've, you've got Echo Island. And then since then, I know you've had at least one book come out. Or is it two? <laughs> no, just one since then. Just one. Gospel, yeah, that gospel came out Driven last Ministry. Fall, and then Gospel Driven Ministry came out uh, in February. And then you've got another one coming out this year. Yes. Yeah, on right. the love of God, right? Yes. A Christian living book called Love Me Anyway, which love is uh, kind of a rough... Uh, sketch through First Corinthians 13. Each chapter takes a clause from First Corinthians 13, the famous love chapter. And um, it's really written in kind of the vibe of the imperfect disciple. 
So it's a little creative nonfiction, a lot of storytelling, personal storytelling um, in the book as well. Um, but really just kind of reflections on love and what love is and and um, how we can get it and, you know, how God uh, doesn't just have it, but but is it, you know, God is love and sort of just kind of reflections on um, yeah. on the fulfillment that we can find in in him. And there's a lot of music, like it's a musically themed I was just about book. to ask, yeah. So it's kind of built around love songs. Every chapter, every title of every chapter is a is a is a, a song with love in the title, and every subheading within each chapter is a song title with love okay. in it as well. That was in a lot of ways the hardest that had to be, part. That, I was going to say, yeah, that had to be <laughs> I mean, really difficult. The book was, um, I, I I mean, just to be totally honest and, and to be totally sincere, um, I put a huge chunk of my heart in in this book. I'm in in some ways more transparent in it than I have been um, in mm. in some others. Maybe you know, Imperfect Disciple probably comes closest. Um, but I also had a lot of fun, and 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 part of the you know difficulty of it was coming up with all of these love songs that fit you know what I was you <laughs> trying to talk about. So there's quite a bit of uh, Beatles in it, and okay. quite a bit of some classic you know doo wop. You know, type stuff. Right? Is there um, is there going to be a Spotify playlist that's simultaneously? You know, I've actually thought about these? something like that. As we think about marketing, could we put something together? The question of that is, of course, getting the rights and licensing and everything. So oh, it may have to Spotify be older. Would be fine. It might have to be older. Oh yeah, you can do a Spotify playlist. But like, yeah. if we wanted to like send something out or something. Oh yeah, we probably would have. But nobody plays CDs or anything anymore. Anyway, no, so, I'd get yeah. that and be like, what am I to do with this? <laughs> Same thing I do with your mug. <laughs> cherish it that's what you do uh, put it on my nightstand yeah uh, kiss it goodnight before before <laughs> i go to sleep um what in the world was i gonna say okay so i was gonna ask when you started talking about the the love stuff mm-hmm. is what's love got to do with it that's gotta be that's one yeah for sure that's one um if you can think of a love song i probably talk about it or it's in the book yeah what's it's, your favorite love song oh man what is my favorite love song? I don't know, man. No one's ever right. asked me that. I've, I've never asked you anyone stopped. that. <laughs> so, yeah. This is just be part of being when, an interviewer. You know, I mean, When up. Love Came to Town by U2, which isn't really a love, at least not a romantic love song. Um, Do you remember the song you and Becky danced to at your wedding? We didn't dance, brother. We were Baptists. Oh, boy. <laughs> we had three songs in the, uh, in the ceremony. The, um, her walking down the aisle. No, no, no. In terms of like special music, you know, oh, okay, where people okay. sing a song. Yeah, so we had uh, we had some Stephen Curtis Chapman song. We had so this like again we're Baptists, so we oh, had Stephen man. Curtis Chapman. What's, do you remember what it was? Was it like we had? I don't think what there was another group, not Phillips, Craig, and Dean, but there was another like male trio, CCM trio. Oh man, I don't know. That did a song called "Shine on Us," shine something like that. We did that song. And uh, I think there was Newsboys? No, it couldn't have been Newsboys. No, no, no. That's yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. But this is like a a vocalist, three, you know, vocalists. Okay. So, yeah. Oh. Um. I don't remember what it was. And I think maybe a Michael English song. Maybe I don't know. Acapella vocal band. You ever heard of them? <laughs> yeah, I have heard of them. Yeah. Man, it wasn't them though. No, and then too bad. <laughs> no, they got no. a song called "Roll the Stone Away." Man, that's a great Ooh. song. I, yeah. You remember I, the Imperials? Are you old enough, Jeff, to remember the Imperials? I'm 36. Okay. Um, so I have no clue. So they were a big deal in like the late seventies, early eighties. And, 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 uh, who came out of them? Dallas home, I think was in them. And I don't even know who that is, but yeah. So there was like, uh, um, 
Yeah, they were the CCM your grandma maybe would listen to. That's kind of how they were. So, okay. like, you had your choice of, like, the Keith Greens and the, uh, um, you know. Um, Rich Mullins kind of yeah, world. Yeah, Well, even before those, you know, some of guys, you know, you had early Petra. Okay. You may have, like, Matthew Ward and um, Second Chapter of Acts and Larry Norman and Randy Stonehill. But then you had, like, okay, we're CCM, but we're not real rocky we're we're like stuff you might could hear in your church so mm. imperials would be kind of in that in that vibe yeah man i'm trying to picture a a wedding reception with no dance what did yeah, y'all do what? just eat the mints <laughs> and the bowls oh yeah i mean you know you could talk cubes. to people you could have conversations nah. yeah and we had food we had food and talking it was it was you know it was very baptisty so did you have like full food or was it just the mints and the mixed nuts and the cashews. Oh, we had those. No, it was food. It, it was catered. We even had an ice sculpture that was left over from a wedding the previous week. Hey. They, it was like this big swan, and uh, they had it at our church, and they said, hey, if we put this in the freezer, do you want to use it at your wedding? We were like, yeah, of course yeah. we do. Free ice sculpture. Let's so we go. we had this big ice sculpture. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. Amazing. Well, good, man. That's I'm looking forward to seeing the love book, uh, especially like to see how you're working on these love titles and stuff. And I, I can't <laughs> wait to read it. I think it's, especially as you pour out your heart, I think it'd be great. And great for listeners just to be invited into that, listeners, readers to be invited into that. Um, so your most recent book that just came out, Gospel Driven Ministry, I've heard you say that, you know, you think this is your magnum opus for, yeah. for pastoral ministry, that you're you're just dumping your yourself into that. Uh, so tell us about the book, um, why people should go and grab it, snag it um that looks great i've i've flipped through much of it haven't haven't read the whole thing but exactly what i would expect from you yeah for real it's it's you know really the culmination of 20 some years of ministry and just trying to put down um you know this may sound a little arrogant but may hopefully just more ambitious uh, a legacy book you know like if i could sum up you know as much um as i can of, of what i've learned you know, in ministry and what I would want to communicate about ministry, I try to put it in this book. So, um, you know, you know, that's what I meant by magnum opus sort of thing. But really, it's it's um it's my attempt at writing an introduction to gospel centered ministry or gospel driven ministry. What does it mean to do, um, you know, church leadership in a way that is centered on the finished work of Christ? And I I think that's important to I mean I think it's always important, but I think it's important right now because the gospel-centered thing is either depending on who you talk to, it's played out, or yeah, you know the the you know it's a it's a buzzword. The gospels become simply an adjective in some respect, and we don't even know what it means. Like, what's the substance of this? Well, you know, if you ask you know somebody, what does it mean to do gospel-centered ministry? They would say to do ministry centered around the gospel, right? Or that everything should be <laughs> thank you, know, you. The gospel professor. should impact everything. <laughs> yeah, but trying to like actually press that into the you know you know the four corners of the room. What are the actual implications? What's the difference between being a gospel-centered preacher and not? What's the difference between being a gospel-centered leader and not? What's so those all those little implications and applications are things that I try to put in the book. So it's very practical, um, you know, how to do a funeral, how to you know, do a wedding, um, you know, how to do counseling, how to train future leaders, uh, how to do sermon preparation. All those sorts of things are in there. But it's also, I, um, you know, I think very pastoral and reflective as well. So I spend some time on kind of the heart of the pastor um, as, as much as the hands, you know, the things that you're doing, uh, but also kind of what you're, uh, what you're believing, what you're feeling, all those sorts of things as well. So 
the the main idea originally was um, it would be an introduction to gospel-centered ministry for those who are either training for ministry or who are new to ministry. Um, but I also think it could serve as a good you know refresher um, to guys like us who have yeah. been in ministry for a while and. Um, you know, we kind of know the ropes a little bit, but it's always good to be reminded, you know, of, of the goodness of grace and the, uh, the impact of it. Yeah. Amen. Jared, final question. And, um, we'll, we'll wrap this up. When you are sitting down to write, what, what's your environment like? You know, I know people are interested in these kinds of things. So we know that you only use Microsoft word. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And that you're putting, you're putting a lot of faith in Microsoft word. Uh, so no. have you ever have you ever lost anything? Not anything super substantial, no. But okay. I'm a very paranoid saver, and on top of that, I will email myself the, the draft yeah. as it is. So I constantly have this little backup, which I know there's better backup systems, but that's kind of my wonky way of. Yeah, I I, yeah. I know of some, um, but I'm not gonna <laughs> tell you. I won't use them. You won't use them? No, my pastor was trying to get me on something like you're in the cloud and so it just automatically <laughs> saves to the cloud and, and it just ate up everything on my computer. I tried to create, I tried to do what he was telling me and it's, it. I need something that's a little, you know, simpler or more elegant for me, I guess. Yeah. So just hitting command S every five minutes is, <laughs> is what you're doing. Yeah. Kind of, no, I'm not even doing that. I didn't even know about that shortcut. I'm actually literally going up to file. And oh my God. <laughs> you have to be kidding. I'm scrolling up to file. Jeff, it takes what? Half a second to do that. How many more books could you have written if you weren't doing this file yeah, command? I'm not a very efficient writer. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll admit that. Man, we're all learning new things. What's um, my environment like? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, you, it's you, different do you have every like time. a candle going? Do you have... Oh, pistachios no. on the on the side of the desk. No, I usually have um you know, um a glass of water or um in the old days coffee. I'm not doing caffeine anymore, so um, You're totally yeah. off caffeine. Yeah, pretty much. I'll have okay. a Coke Zero every now and again. Um but I but I don't do caffeine. I, yeah, I don't do regular coffee anymore. Uh, okay. and that's for health reasons, not for yeah. any other thing. Yeah. Um but yeah, so I have a drink and I've got my laptop and uh a lot of times it's at the dining room table. So that's kind of we, you know, it's it's kind of a boring environment. But there's a big window. I like the natural light. Not in your study. You have an amazing study. The that yeah. No, I have to. Um, see, but, I like being around people. I okay. like I like the buzz of people. So coffee shops. Um, you know, I haven't been able to get into a whole lot of them lately. But um, I like I like the coffee shop. You know, vibe. Um, if I need to, I you know, I'll put headphones in. But I usually don't even do that. And I just like kind of the din of things around me. Hmm. Um, and I don't know why. I know, um, you know, extroverts say I've got to be in a, alone in a quiet space to to focus. And I don't know if it's like a inverted extrovert, introvert thing. So I'm an introvert. Yeah. But there's something about the, the energy of like a coffee shop or a public space that helps. So I have like I have a home office, which I'm in right now. And I have a great study um, at the seminary as well. And yeah, and I'll do writing there as I, you know, schedule, you know, means I've got to be in those environments. But if I'm home, I usually am writing at the dining room table upstairs rather than in my office. Hmm. Um, it's just, yeah, there's just something about it. I think that is more conducive. Do you listen to music or no? Not usually. Sometimes I do, but okay. but it's not a must have for me, no. If you were, it'd be those love songs. It probably would. No, it would be um, classical music. I have listened to classical music okay. before. Yeah. 
something without Some, words. The words are distracting to me if I'm trying to yeah. write words. Yeah. Yeah, I like to have a the nice like lo-fi hip hop uh, playlist. It's just there you go. instrumental music. Although I will say to uh, for the love book, I listened to quite a bit of Bob Dylan. So you got a lot of words there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, probably the the wordiest music you could come up with. But <laughs> outside of that, yeah, not too many lyricists. Yeah, yeah. I think you know that's amazing that you would go and sit at the dinner table. I couldn't imagine. I think it's also because I have younger kids. Yeah, I don't have small children, so yeah. that's a, you know, if I did, it'd probably be yeah, I would yeah, do that. You would you would have zero books <laughs> uh, if, if you were taking that approach with with small children. <laughs> that would be zero. All right, man. Well, for people out there who aren't following you on social media or anywhere else, where could they go and and find you if they wanted to keep up with you? Um, sure. Well, you could go to my website, jaredcwilson.com. Has links to everything, but um, Twitter is where I'm most prolific. Um, and I'm Jared C. Wilson on Twitter and also on Instagram. I kind of mess around. I treat Instagram as kind of a playground. I'm not too serious on there. Yeah. I do a lot of memes and cartoons and things. You do a lot of memes. You've, yeah. It's been fun. Yeah. I, yeah. It's just, it's a, it's a way to just kind of let my hair down a little bit. So, um, but that's Jared C. Wilson as well. But Twitter is probably pres- the main place where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. Twitter, Twitter's your game for sure. Especially mm-hmm. during football season. But I feel like you've dialed that back a little. No, man. Yeah. It's been a while. I just haven't had, um, We've been watching more games that are recorded rather than okay. live, and I kind of feel like trying to live tweet a game that you've, yeah. So I just don't do that much anymore. I kind of your... miss it. Yeah, yeah. That was the only reason I even paid attention to American football. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I do it like in big games. If it's you know ch- you know playoffs or something, I'll I'll start live tweeting again. But I don't do the weekly games anymore. Yeah, you you need to show up during the Super Bowl. Okay. Yeah, um, we need you. We need you during these boring <laughs> games too. And also, I was, what's your position on Instagram stories? Have you changed? I know you were very anti, but I think you've been sharing memes in the stories. Are you sharing memes? No, I don't think so. Um, just in the regular there, posts? Yeah, there are some things that I'll do, post to a story, but I'm not real regular with it. Yeah. And, and there's like, when I'm in someone's story or something, and it says like, share to your story, I'll like, okay, <laughs> I'll, cl- I'll click on that. But I don't have a, yeah, I'm not thinking through, like, I need to do stories. And I still don't know how to do, I've done a couple of, like, promotional things on Instagram Live, right? Or I don't know if that's there, what it's called, but, like, where you're doing like the, yeah, yeah. What, whatever that is. I haven't figured that out. I don't know how to do that. So oh I'm I'm really low, low tech, man. Are you on Clubhouse? Um, what? What is that? Okay, no. Clubhouse. Are you on, do you have community? <laughs> you mean like with no. my church? No, no, it's another <laughs> platform. Do you have? No, uh, no, are you do that. are you doing any fleets? No, TikToks. Uh, I know TikTok. Vine, that's a separate thing. Vine. Vine you know, I miss, I miss Vine. I don't do any of that. Yeah, Vine. I'm was on great the big three: Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So I do have an author page on Facebook, which is author Jared Wilson. But um, it's pretty much the same content you get on yeah. Twitter. Well, listeners, thank you for listening to this riveting episode of Home Row. So please leave a review, tell your friends, and let's just keep writing. 